Alrighty, and we are back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome into another edition of the Jim Bratton Podcast. And as we sort of finished winding down from the football season, especially in the NFL, now that the draft is over with and everything's sort of quiet on the football front here for a few weeks and months other than the spontaneous top headlines that may come up over the course of OTAs and whatnot. Uh, One of the things that I've been sort of neglecting to talk about as I start this tour of catching everybody up on things that do not have to do with football. Uh, One of those things is, of course, the Major League Baseball season. And I really sort of hate, I really hate that I missed the chance to talk about what's been going on in MLB, uh, at least on, if not, little bit before opening day, which was end of March, first part of first weekend of April, if I remember correctly. But of course football sort of sidetracked everything for me in that regard and I missed the chance to talk about Major League Baseball for two months, give or take. And so that is basically what I'm going to be doing today. I'm going to be just giving brief rundown of where we are in the division, the particular divisional races in the American League and the National League, at least as of yesterday. As far as the records and whatnot that I have in front of me, these have not been updated after, how shall I say this? These have, these are basically the records as of yesterday or two days ago, whenever I was sort of looking over the standings and trying to catch up on where everybody was in the divisional races. And yes, for the Facebook Live audience, at least, who can see this, you may have noticed that I am very proudly wearing my Atlanta Braves hat. I'm a very, very big Atlanta Braves fan. For those of you who may not be familiar with me in that regard, and I'm go as soon as I get these standing recaps uh, rounded out, I'm going to be breaking down some of the things that really excite me the most about what I've seen from the National League East leading Atlanta Braves. So I'm very much looking forward to doing that as well. But before I get into that, let's get into these division standings for a little bit. Shall we start? I'm actually going to start with the American League before I get into the National League. And starting with the AL Central, and this is as of yesterday, now that I'm looking at it, and now that I have the actual list of standings uh, printed off and laid out in front of me, and this is, of course, prior to any game, this is also prior to any games that were played over the course of yesterday as well, just to go ahead and let you all know about that. The AL Central, starting at the top, the Twins 
are currently in the top spot, followed by the Cleveland Guardians, who were about two and a half games back of Minnesota. And Detroit's right behind them at 15 and 18 overall, three games back of the division lead. And yes, I realize that I'm fully aware of the fact that today is May the 9th, and it is way too early for me to be getting into how things may shake out in each particular division by the course, by the, end, by the end of the season, I should say. But just to have a little bit of fun here, uh, what I'm going to be doing today is just I'm going to be giving my prediction as to how things might potentially shake out over the course of the year as we get to the end of the season. And obviously, things will change, and when those things do change, I will be sure to update you guys accordingly on the Jim Bratton podcast as they go along. But just to have a little bit of fun today, um, uh, I may at least give a slight hint as to how I think the divisional races will end up shaking out. So, back to the AL Central. Minnesota, Cleveland, Detroit, excuse me, and then you have the Chicago White Sox at number four and the Kansas City Royals rounding out the AL Central standings at number five at 9 and 26, at least as of yesterday. And what's amazing about the Kansas City Royals and the sort of fall from grace that they've been on here as of the last few years is that people forget they were actually in the World Series not that long ago. Believe it or not, they actually won the World Series a few years back, believe it or not. I believe it was in 2015 or 2016 or 2017, I believe, somewhere in that ballpark. But they have just been in a fall from grace over the last few seasons, and I guess when you put yourself in that position, you sort of want to do what the Chicago Cubs did in 2016, I believe, was the year they won it all, and sort of build yourself back to the point a la the Chicago Cubs with younger prospects and blah, 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 and other things of that nature. Sort of build it, rebuilding more through the farm system, if you will, in the minor leagues. And so I guess that's what Kansas City's been doing. But as of now, they are just awful. There's really no other way for me to say that. The American League East, is by far, in my opinion, the most competitive division in the American League, starting with Tampa and the Tampa Bay Rays sitting atop the American League East at 28-7. and And I know everybody's a little disappointed that the Rays sort of Lost a few games after that hot streak that they were on to begin the year. I think they were they were fourteen and zero at one point or something like that. I can't remember exactly, but 
it was somewhere in the 13-0, 14-0 range to start the season for Tampa Bay, and everybody all of a sudden was like, oh my gosh, how can they keep going? Can they keep it going? Can they sustain this? Did, did anybody, question that I have, did anybody really think that Tampa was going 162-0? and did, did you really think that that was possible? I didn't. And, of course, really nobody else did as well either, but it was just interesting to see how everybody was sort of dogpiling the race for the hot streak that they were on to start the year based on the fact that the teams that they had been playing were not necessarily top tier teams even though was everybody even though those teams were not the upper in the upper echelon of the MLB everybody kept dogpiling the rays and i was just like just stop it okay they're not going to keep this up having said that as of yesterday they are or were uh, 28 and 7 they currently have a about a five and a half game lead over the Baltimore or Baltimore Orioles excuse me who just dropped a weekend series to the aforementioned Atlanta Braves most recently and of course the Orioles are sort of one of those younger teams in MLB in the MLB as well I would say they're even much further ahead of the Kansas City Royals when it comes to their development as a team and their ability to contend down the road and there are certain guys to there are certain guys that I like from the Baltimore Orioles I'm looking at Adley Rutschman in particular the all-world young catcher that they have but if I had to predict where Baltimore would find themselves at the end of the year I do think that they will drop behind the definitely the Yankees because at some point you would think with all of the talent that the Yankees have you would think and expect that they would get back to the top of the AL East at some point. I know many of you out there may not be the biggest fans of the Bronx Bombers, as they call them, but I think at the end of the day, we all have to accept that they are eventually going to realize that they are the Yankees and start to put themselves back in a position to contend for not just the AL East, but maybe even the AL pennant as well. Who knows? Time will tell. But the Yankees are actually bringing up the rear in the AL East as it stands right now, but as I was just alluding to, I don't think they're going to be in the basement forever. Uh, Then you've got the Red Sox right ahead of them at number four, but much like with the Yankees, I don't expect the Red Sox to be in the basement in the AL East forever either, but I may or may not end up having to eat my words when I say that. And, of course, as I mentioned, time will tell on all of these things. This is where the competitiveness of the American League East comes into play because 
Obviously, Tampa's at number one. Baltimore is at number two. But the Toronto Blue Jays are a highly competitive team as well. And a lot of people forget that they were actually on the cusp of playoff contention last year. And they've obviously got a lot of valuable pieces playing for them as well, looking at Vladimir Guerrero Jr. in particular. And yes, if that name sounds a little bit familiar to you, for many of you, shall we say, older baseball fans, at least much older than I am at least, you will, of course, remember the name Vladimir Guerrero. And yes, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is, of course, the son of Vladimir Guerrero Sr., just to go ahead and point that obvious fact out to you guys if you were not already aware. But he's, of course, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has, of course, had no problem living up to the family name throughout the course of his very young MLB career. And so, for that reason in particular, I'm not going to count Toronto out, and we should not count Toronto out in the American League East by any means. They are a pretty competitive baseball team. I know they're still about seven games or so behind Tampa, but it is, of course, a very, very long season, and it's going to be very interesting to see how things play out in the AL, in the AL East over the next few months. And then the AL West, I guess I'm going to touch on very quickly before I get to the National League. Uh, the Rangers actually sit atop the standings right now. The Texas Rangers and Bruce Bochy, the, the, shall we say, I'm trying to find the right words to uh, use when I talk about Bruce Bochy. You might consider him a little bit of a legend just based on his track record with the San Francisco Giants. Of course, he has won multiple World Series uh, during his time with the Giants and is, of course, now leading the Texas Rangers as they begin their sort of come up. And there's a lot of things to like about the Rangers, especially when you look at their pitching rotation, both who they have now and who that also who they have coming up in the farm system. At least as of now, you have Jacob deGrom, who I am extremely thrilled by the fact that Jacob deGrom is not playing for the Mets anymore. I know that may seem a little bit biased for my perspective, coming, coming from my perspective as a Atlanta Braves fan, but I'm just thrilled that the Braves do not have to deal with Jacob deGrom in the same division anymore, to say the absolute least. And another thing to like about the Rangers' rotation as far as who they have coming up is, in a way, it sort of pains me to say this as a Vols fan, but I do have to give a shout-out to a couple of Vandy boys that the Rangers have coming up in the farm system when you look at Jack Leiter and also Kumar Rocker as well. Two very, 
strong workhorses potentially in a future starting rotation for the Texas Rangers. And if they can work their way through the minor league system quick enough, can because obviously the minor league system in Major League Baseball is a little bit different compared to maybe some some of the other leagues out there. But if Kumar Rocker and Jack Leiter can work their way through the farm system quickly enough, that could be a very dangerous three-headed monster in the starting rotation with Leiter, Rocker, and DeGrom, potentially. So, a lot of things to like about the Rangers for the future, but as of now, I do not really see the Texas Rangers holding on to their only two-game division lead. Now, right behind them are the LA Angels, who have really been sort of straddling the fence of playoff contention. There's obviously some good things to like about the Angels as well, starting with Shohei Otani, obviously, the unicorn. Showtime, as they call him. And the one thing that I will say about Shohei Otani is he is about to make so much money. So much money. We're talking about upwards of $500 million over, shall we say, a 10-year time frame. Whether that be from the Angels or somebody else. And this may be a little bit of hot take, but I'm just going to go ahead and throw it out there. I do not think that I do not think that it is going to come from the Angels because I think the Angels at some point may very well end up trading Shohei Otani for just a boatload of draft picks and prospects and blah blah blah. But whether it be the one thing that I know for sure is that Shohei Otani is about to be an incredibly rich man just based on the level of production that he has had, not just as a pitcher, but behind also at the plate as well. And he is about to make so much money. It is going to be unreal the amount of money that he is going to make in the future. And also, another thing to like about the Angels is my everybody knows about Mike Trout, right? The longtime slugger for the LA Angels, of course, one of the, I would say, one of the best overall individuals, not just from an on field perspective, but everything that he brings off the field as well from the Mike Trout perspective. There's obviously a lot of things to like about him, but I don't see Texas or the Angels winning the American League East at the end of the year. As of right now, I do see the team that is behind them in the standings finding a way to come up and sort of take over that division race. That team, of course, being the defending World Series champion Houston Astros. They are currently, or at least as of yesterday, are sitting at 500, basically at number three in the American League East, excuse me, the American League West standings. 
And then, obviously, you've got the Seattle Mariners behind them in the American League West. Also, at around that 500 or so range. And then, rounding out the AL West is Moneyball. The the just awful Oakland Athletics. And of course, I bring up Moneyball because for some reason the A's had a movie made about them, basically. And, you know, look at... And to give credit to the A's, during that time, they were able to find ways to be competitive, but just fast-forwarding to 2023, it's just god-awful, the product that the Oakland A's have playing for them right now. It's just painful to watch in a lot of ways. And the one, and another thing that I will give credit to the Oakland A's for is just from a Atlanta Braves per, fans perspective, I want to thank you guys so much for Matt Olson and Sean Murphy. Thank you guys so much for those two guys. I'll get to Matt Olson and Sean Murphy a little bit more in particular here in a minute, but the Oakland Athletics are just terrible. And you look at their record as of yesterday, which was 8-27. and 27. Yeah, not great, but... At the same time, just again, thank you, Oakland Athletics, so much for Matt Olson and Sean Murphy. That is the last thing I will say about that as we round out the American League West. All right, the National League, I'm going to run through these standings very quickly before I get to the Braves. Uh, the NL Central... Very competitive division. Uh, obviously, the Pirates are at the top right now. I do not see that lasting too long because inevitably I can see a team like the Brewers or maybe even the Chicago Cubs taking over that top spot. And, of course, we can't count out the St. Louis Cardinals as well. But NL Central, very com very competitive division. And let's get, on that note, let's get to the NL, let's go ahead and get to the NL East. Uh, as I mentioned before, the National League East is, of course, led by the Atlanta Braves, obviously, they've sort of got a stranglehold on the National League East right now with about a seven-game lead, and that is something that I do see lasting until the end of the season, just to go ahead and get that out of the way. And it's very interesting because... It's basically sort of a crapshoot right now in the NL East behind the Braves because the Marlins are technically right behind them at number two, and the Mets are right behind the Marlins at number three, and the Phillies, I guess I have to mention the Phillies, the defending National League Champions, unfortunately, uh, just from my point of view as a Braves fan, uh, they are currently in the number four spot in the NL East at 16 and 19, 
as of yesterday. And number five are, of course, the Washington Nationals, who are, of course, going through that similar streak of reaching the top, or I should say that similar situation to the Kansas City Royals or the Chicago Cubs and are and are sort of building themselves back after winning the World Series in 2019, I believe, was the World Series year for the Washington Nationals, as crazy as it is for me to say that. But they're sort of building themselves back, and hopefully from a Braves fan's perspective, it takes them a little bit longer to do that than it's looking like it is going to take the Cubs, just for example. So that's it for the NL East. The NL West, uh, obviously, you've got the Dodgers in the top spot as of right now, and then you've got the Diamondbacks coming in right behind them. And the NL West is very interesting division because of how competitive it has been over the last couple of seasons in particular. We all remember the arms race that went on last year with the Dodgers and the San Diego Padres, who find themselves at number three in the National League West. And, of course, you've got the Giants at number four and the Colorado Rockies rounding out the somewhat current division standings at number five in the National League West division. And if I had to pit, if I had to guess how the NL West race would shake out by the end of the year, I would say that the Padres will find a way to sort of claw back into the conversation for the National League West pennant. Obviously, the Dodgers will have something to say about that, but if I had to sit here on May the 9th and predict how I think the NL West is going to shake out at the end of the year, I do think that the Padres and the Dodgers, not necessarily in that order, of course, would be the upper two upper echelon teams of that division. Now, with all of that being said, let's get to the Bravos, shall we? Who are sort of red hot right now. And as I mentioned before, currently have a seven-game lead in the NL East over Miami and the New York Mets. Eight-game lead over the Philadelphia Phillies, and I believe about a nine-and-a-half-game lead over the Washington Nationals. And it's interesting, I was watching the... Braves Orioles game on Sunday this on this past weekend Sunday morning which is in a way I guess it's sort of hard for me to get used to seeing Sunday morning baseball games when the first pitch is at about 10:35 in the morning that's just a little bit strange to hear but from a TV perspective, I suppose it makes a lot of sense. But that's just a little quick sidebar that I have before I get into the main point here. One of the interesting things that I noticed from watching that game is that I saw on the 
one of the low, one of the lower thirds that came up on the course of the broadcast, and I do believe that I have this stat correctly, is that this the Braves are sitting at twenty four and eleven right now. They or at least they were twenty three and eleven as Sunday's game was going on, if I have that correct. Uh, One of the interesting things that I saw on the TV broadcast on Sunday during the Braves-Orioles game is that this is the best start that the Atlanta Braves have had since 1998. The 98 Braves, and just to throw a little bit more of a sidebar out there, hopefully this season, hopefully this season does not end up in the same way that the Morgan Wallen song did, and of course, more, the Morgan Wallen song, 98 Braves, has nothing to do, really nothing to do with baseball when you think about it. Tennis, much like Tennessee fan, has not that much to do with football when you think about it. Those songs, of course, have deeper meanings, but at the same time, there are, of course, Plenty of double meanings to a lot of Morgan Wallen songs. The main point I'm trying to make here is, I mean, you've you've all heard the song, right? I'm not gonna, I'm not going to spend too much time on this show quoting Morgan Wallen lyrics. Of course, I sort of have to backtrack that a little bit when it comes to, or at least when it came to football last year, as it relates to Tennessee and Alabama, just to get the, just to get this out of the way. The joke really was on Alabama because they really did lose big that time. But that's all I've got to say about the football perspective as it relates to Morgan Wallen songs, okay? Uh, But everybody's heard 98 Braves, right? The main point I'm trying to make here is that from just a biased fan's perspective, I hope that this season does not end up the way the 1998 Atlanta Braves season ended up both in real life and in that song. But 23 and 11, best start uh, since 1998. That's really, really impressive for the Atlanta Braves. Now, as it relates to individual players that I like, or like, I should say, from the Atlanta Braves. Of course, I've mentioned Sean Murphy, who, and let let me focus on Sean Murphy a little bit in particular for a moment before I get on, and before I get into Matt Olson and Ronald Acuna. Uh, Sean Murphy, one of the things that everybody was well aware of prior to the Braves picking him up was his ability on defense behind the plate and his ability to pick guys off at second base. He's He was very well known for his def- defensive prowess as a catcher, but the offensive production has certainly caught up with the defensive production as it relates to 
Sean Murphy through uh, through 31 games this season, 103 at bats. Sean Murphy has scored 21 runs, 29 hits, nine home runs, and 28 RBIs, which is very very impressive to say the least. And so with him being a deep, more of a defensive specialist, shall we say, uh, I do think that the offensive production has very easily matched up with the defensive production at this point as it relates to Sean Murphy, or I should say the offensive production has caught up with the defensive production when it comes to Sean Murphy. Now, Matt Olson, of course, who is from a san- from a sentimental standpoint, not Freddie Freeman by any means, but he's of course done a very, very good job replacing him uh, through 35 games, 134 at-bats, for Matt Olson, he's scored 30 runs, knocked at, knocked in 33 hits, 10 homers, and 27 runs batted in. So, very impressive stat line for Matt Olson. Now, let me get to Ronald Acuna, who is probably the hottest player in Major League Baseball right now all things considered, at least in my opinion, anyway. Uh, through 35 games, 136 at-bats for Ronald. 30 runs, 46 hits, 6 homers, 21 RBIs, a 338 batting average, which is by far number one on the team, and he also has 15 Stolen bases. And what else really needs to be said about Ronald Acuna? His play pretty much really, really speaks for itself. Now, the that's it for the offensive production standpoint. From a pitching standpoint, there's obviously a lot of things to like about the starting rotation as well. Aside from the fact that Max Freed, the ace, if you want to call him that, keeps finding ways to put put himself on the injured list. I just got the alert this morning that Max Freed was just added to the injured list yet again, which is not ideal for the Braves. But aside from Max Freed, there's obviously some other very impressive names as well. And the one guy that... I'm going to focus on in particular before I get to what some of my broader thoughts are on the Braves, just generally speaking. Uh, the one guy that stands out to me is Spencer Strider, the, st- the stash, as I call him. And for those of you who may not be familiar with what I'm talking about when I give him that nickname, just Google Spencer Strider and you will immediately know what I mean when I use the phrase the stash. Uh, He is a very impressive guy and we all saw what he was able to do on the mound last year. He's obviously carried that production into this year with his 2.70 ERA and the fact that he had only given up 23 hits and 12 runs in all of the 40 innings that he has pitched 
this season. So, pretty impressive stat line for the stash, if you will. And just to touch on some of the other guys that I like in the rotation for the Bravos, Bryce Elder, obviously one of those younger guys that you anticipate to be in the rotation for years and years to come. Uh, Obviously, Charlie Morton, playoff Charlie, as they called him, uh, last season at least, and hopefully this season as well. And Max Freed when healthy, of course. And I just have to give a shout-out to another Vandy boy, as much as it pains me to do this. Of course, I did it earlier with Jack Leiter and Kumar Rocker with the Texas Rangers. Uh, Of course, the Vandy boy that the Braves have in their rotation, Kyle Wright, is a very impressive guy as well. And you would hope and think that he is going to be a staple in that rotation for the Braves for years and years to come as well, along with Spencer Strider and Bryce Elder. And so that's my take on the Braves from a pitching standpoint. Before I get out of here, let me say a few more things about the Bravos, generally speaking. Despite the numerous injuries that they have suffered over the course of the first month of the season, of course, I mentioned Max Freed, but Travis Darnot has been on and off of the injured list in particular, just to mention those two. And there's probably one or two other guys that have been dealing with injuries as well for Atlanta. But despite all of the injuries that the Braves have have been dealing with over the course of the last month. The fact that this is the best start that they have been off to since 1998 is remarkable, and it really just speaks to the overall depth of what the Braves have assembled. A lot of credit has to go to AA, as they call him, uh, in, in Atlanta out in, and out of Atlanta as well. Alex Anthopoulos, the Braves general manager, has done really remarkable job of drafting over the course of the past few seasons when you look at the guys that he's brought in, not just talking about Kyle Wright and Spencer Strider, but also uh, Michael Harris II in center field. When you look at Vaughn Grissom as well, who the Braves actually moved on from Dansby Swan, from they moved on from a guy who many considered to be the heart of the team in. Dansby Swanson, they moved on from Dansby in favor of a a young guy named Vaughn Grissom, who many believe will be the shortstop of the future for the Braves. And, of course, one of the things that I remember about Vaughn Grissom was the first hit that he ever had in Major League Baseball. What was that? Oh, that just happened to happened to be a towering home run over the Green Monster at Fenway Park in Boston. No big deal, though. No big deal. Whenever you can hit a home run over the Green Monster 
at Fenway in your first career at bat, that's not a big deal at all or anything. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. But Vaughn Grissom, obviously he's had some struggles in the field, but one of the good takeaways that I have that gives me hope, a little bit of hope about Vaughn Grissom is the amount of time in the offseason that he spent with Ron Washington working on these things. Ron Washington, of course, being the Braves, I believe, third base coach, long time, long time, great, legendary baseball coach, most notably during his time as the manager of the Texas Rangers. But if there's anybody that knows a thing or two about playing professional baseball and what it takes to be successful, it's why. It's wash, as they call them. And so, those are just, from a fan's perspective and also just from a general baseball fan's perspective, generally speaking, those are just a few of the things that give me plenty of hope and optimism as it relates to the Bravos as they move forward on this marathon of a stretch of baseball games known as the 162-game Major League Baseball season. And so, with all of that being said, I suppose that is going to do it for me today. There's obviously going to be plenty of storylines that come up throughout the course of the Major League Baseball season. And as those things come up, I will, of course, be sure to update you guys on all of those headlines along the way. But with all of that being said, chop on And that is going to wrap up the show for me today. I want to thank you guys so much for watching and listening to this edition of the Jim Bratton Podcast. I very much appreciate it, and I will see you soon.